We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and let's stand together, please, for the reading of the scripture. And we'll begin in verse 6. The subject of this passage could not be more clear. It's about giving. It's about grace giving. Uh, I use the word grace because it's the word that's used in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And it's, it, it's talking about a special offering, something different than over and above our regular giving to our church. And it's, we've, it's found in numerous places in the New Testament. It's not new, it's not novel. Uh, it's, it's the same principle if you were taking a love offering for an evangelist or something like that. It's a, it's a special offering. But it's the principle that we used many years ago as the basis for how we would support missions in our church. And the church decided to do that, um, like I said, back in 1992. And, um, and so it's good on, during our missions conference to kind of refresh our minds on the biblical basis of it. We, we, want, to do what, we want to do life as much as possible according to the Bible, right? So 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. God loves everybody, right? But he has special love for certain groups of people. You can't get around that, you know. For instance, Proverbs says, I love them that love me. God, love, God loves everybody, but he has a special love for those that love him. And he says, and they that seek me early shall find me. Here he says, God loves a cheerful giver. And, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, a quote from Psalms 122, or 112, as it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being rich in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service, this ministry of giving, the administration of this service, not only supplieth the want of the saints, it meets a need, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration, what you're doing in giving, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men and by their prayer for you which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable 
gift. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for the privilege of being here tonight. Thank you for the privilege of knowing you through faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the privilege of having a Bible that we might read and that we might seek to understand and apply to our lives. Thank you for the grace of God in our life. We thank you for this portion of scripture and we thank you for the privilege of being able to give of the resources that you give us to the work of God to be directly involved in helping to send the gospel around the world. Lord, we're grateful tonight. We pray you'd bless these moments we have in your word in a very special way. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Again, the subject is obvious. You know, it says, as we emphasized in verse 7, God loveth a cheerful giver. It's about the Corinthian church. This is a letter to an ep epistle to a church, a church in Corinth, the region known as Achaia, what is now known as Greece, west of uh, Athens. And it's, a, it's written to this local congregation about giving funds through their church to a special project. And, you know, I've, I've been criticized. I've had people say, well, they, that church just talks about money all the time. But anybody who attends here regularly knows that's not true. We do talk about money because the Bible talks about it. Matter of fact, the Bible probably talks more about money than almost any other subject there is. Um, so we don't talk about it as much uh, as the Bible talks about it. Giving is only one thing we do as Christians. We also pray. We read and study the Bible. We worship God privately and publicly. We provide for our families. We encourage and edify other people. We fellowship together. We're strengthened by our relationship with each other. We teach our children to love God and live for God. We serve the Lord in ministries. We do all these other things, but a giving is an important part of what we do. And if you ever understand that, you'll not only believe it, but you'll appreciate it. This is how God set up his economy. Think about this. Now just really try to wrap your mind around this. God has chosen to fund his work through the generosity of his people. Now God could have funded his work. And by the way, God's work is the most important work in the world. And there's nothing nearer to the heart of God than reaching people. God could send birds to drop off money. God could, God could cause the angels to deliver funds. But God has chosen. You can't find anything else other than this in the Bible about this subject. God has chosen to fund his work through the generosity of his people. And for a person to think, well, I'm just not going to give, then what you're saying is, I'm not, I'm not going to be a channel through whom God can fund his work. It's an important thing. And not only that, here's the other side of the equation. God, you see this in Old and New Testament, God has chosen in a very special way to bless those people who choose to let him fund his work through them. Isn't that something? And yet there are people who will not get involved because they're afraid they can't afford to give. When God says, if you'll do this, I'll bless you in a very special way. Now this text we're looking at is a record of 
God-inspired testimony, an opportunity recorded in the Word of God to teach Christians about God's will for their life. God wants us to be givers. Who said, who said it is more blessed to give than it is to receive? Who said that? Jesus said that. It doesn't say it in the Gospels, but in the book of Acts, it says that Jesus said it. So we know that he said it. He said it's more blessed to give. Young person, if, if someone were to walk up to you tonight and give you 10 $100 bills, I would say you're a blessed person, right? But you know what would be more blessed than that? For you to give. That's what Jesus said. Now, most people don't believe that. They may believe it up here, but they don't practice it. But I'm just telling you what the Bible says. So I want to look at this matter of giving in this passage, and I want to borrow a phrase from contemporary culture and apply it to this passage. Maybe you've never heard this phrase, but I hear it frequently in the news. And this is the phrase, follow the money. <laughs> How many of you have ever heard that phrase? Follow the money. They, was, they said that back during the Watergate days in Richard Nixon's problem. Follow the money. We, we recommend that to people who are trying to get a handle on their personal finances and really become better stewards is just take the money you have and just look where it goes. Follow the money. See where that money goes, where there's waste, where there's, un, there's foolish spending, unwise choices. In our culture, it means this. In order to uncover corruption in government, follow the money, right? Recently, there's been a lot in the news. I'll give you a couple of examples about the son of a famous politician who was paid as a consultant for a firm in Ukraine. He was paid this sum for over 18 months, over $80,000 a month. He was paid as a consultant. The interesting thing about it is he had no expertise or experience in the subject that he was consulting about. But he's getting paid $80,000 a month to be a consultant. Wouldn't you like to be that kind of a consultant? So when you hear that, you have to wonder, why is he getting all this money? As maybe there's some favor tied to it. You see what I'm saying? If you follow the money, you might find that. One of our ex-presidents spoke in Russia years ago. Think about this. And for that one speech, he received $500,000. Now, he may be a good orator, but $500,000, were there strings attached? The point is, if you follow the money, you might be surprised what you find. Now, I'm going to use that thought, that's, that phrase, to talk about giving and where that money comes from and where that money goes, we'll use that as a guideline following the money for missions. The first, the first question is, where would this mission's money come from? This, this money that's going to go to support missionaries around there, where does it come from? You know, you've probably heard this. Maybe I'm the only one. But I heard it from my mama a lot of times. You think money grows on a tree in the backyard? <laughs> How many of y'all ever heard that phrase when you were growing up? Lots of you. Where do they get all these cliches? Where does money come from? 
Well, verse 7 makes it clear. Every man according to the purpose in his heart, so let him give. This money for missions, this money for giving to special causes would come from members of the church. Like I said, he's writing the church of Corinth, but this is not the only church involved in this process. Matter of fact, if you'll back up to 2 Corinthians 8, 1, he says this to that same body of believers, the Corinthian church in verse 1, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Now, Corinth is not in Macedonia. It's in Achaia. Uh, cities in Macedonia included Philippi and Berea, Thessalonica, those churches. So the, in other words, this is not just one church being involved. This is a number of churches. He's writing, and, he's, and look at the language of verse 7 of chapter 9. Every man, every person, according as he purposed in his heart. He wanted every member of the church, according to the Bible, to prayerfully consider what they would believe God would have them to do about this matter of giving to this special project. And these offerings would come from various churches, a number of different churches. Now that's where money comes from. Let's just take the Moore family. Uh, the Bruce Moore family, members of our church, they're in Botswana, Africa, serving as missionaries there. Now what supports them? What enables them to be there? There are dozens of churches, really scores of churches, that send offerings to our church every month, and it has more family. It may be $50, it may be $100, it may be a, a, a gift for a quarter, it may, for, like for three months, but dozens of churches, we go to the mailbox almost every day, there's an envelope or two or three or five, depending on what time of the month it is, it has Bruce Moore on it, or Mount Zion Baptist Church for Bruce Moore, now, where does that money come from? It doesn't come just from those churches. It comes from members of those churches. The members of those churches give to missions. And that church votes to send a portion of their missions money to Bruce Moore in Botswana. The, we're talking about where does this money come from? It comes from faithful, generous Christians who believe in world missions. They believe that the gospel needs to be spread to every nation, every kindred, every language, every person. Because Jesus said that, take the gospel to every person. It comes from people of faith. People who live by faith. I, I emphasize again verse 7 where it says, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. No one's telling this person, these people, what to give. It's assuming that they'll make a prayerful, deliberate, spiritual decision about what they're going to give. Every person, Paul says, every person ought to be involved in this. And there shouldn't be any kind of grudging about it. Nobody's trying to twist anybody's arm. It says, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. It should be given cheerfully, joyfully. Now, what are we doing? We're following the money. Where does the money come from? It comes from people, people like you, people like me, families, individuals who say, I'm, gonna, I'm not only going to support my church, but I'm going to give something extra every week, every month, however they choose to give for the purpose of world evangelization. 
That's where the money comes from. But where does the money go? How is the money received? How is that? How, do, how does it affect the work of missions, the people? We have this in 2 Corinthians 9 and other places. Look, for instance, in verse 11. Paul, talking about their giving, says this in verse 11, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. The first thing he said, Paul says, it makes me thankful. Now Paul, Paul was not the recipient of these offerings right here. He was just getting the offering together. It was going to go to Jerusalem. It was going to help some needy people there. But Paul is the person who's sort of raising the money, said it, it, it causes me to rejoice. But look again in verse, the next verse, verse 12. For the administration of this service, what you're doing in giving, he says to the church at Corinth, not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Their offering was meeting a need. It was meeting a need. Now Paul wrote to the Philippian church and about the same type of offering, but it was different. In, the, in, that, in the, the Philippian church, Philippians 4, they were giving to Paul. And this is what he said when he got the offering. He said, I am full. Now he didn't mean I just ate and I ate too much. He just means my needs are met. You've met my needs. So the money, where's the money come from? It comes from individual Christians giving through churches. How's the money received? It meets the needs of people. God uses his people to meet the needs of his servants. And, you know, this is just sort of um, tacked on, really, but we, we try as, in, as pastors, we, we certainly try not to allow church members, uh, missionaries out of our church, go to the field until they're properly funded. They want to get to the field. They're in a hurry to get to the field. God's called them to a field. The temptation is sometimes to leave before you really have the funding you need. But even though they have the funding they need, needs come up. Like Brother Moore, I've been corresponding with Brother Moore about the need for a vehicle. And uh, Brother Moore would never go to the bank, even if he lived here, and borrow the money for a vehicle because he's a person who likes to not have debt. But the point is, Who's going to help him buy a vehicle? Well, we, we as, as I'm talking about our missionary, and this is true of more, most missionaries, this way it ought to be about you also. We don't spend as much money as we take in. That's a good philosophy to have, isn't it? We don't spend everything that comes in, so we're saving up, we're preparing for special needs. But the point is this. they Missionaries, not just Brother Moore, all missionaries rely upon God supplying their need through the churches that support them. God uses people. And what is the money used for? It's used for the work of the ministry. I love reading missionary letters. I read a lot more than you would have occasion to read because I read as many missionary letters from churches that we don't support as I do those we do support. And I love to read about the work. But that work, think about this. Whether it's missionaries like Doug Hammett that's ministering in, in uh, South Africa, who was in Botswana, who just a few weeks ago was in Malawi. You know, every time they buy a plane ticket, every time they start another Bible study, every time they start another mission group, all of that is taken care of because somebody 
is sending them support. So I, I know it may seem to some people you shouldn't think about money, but money is important, right? Don't you think it's important to you? Don't you like to have money to pay your bills? Well, they are relied upon, they are relied upon, they're depending upon, God is using us to meet their needs. How's the money received? It goes to the work of the ministry. It funds their personal needs. It funds their expenses for literature, for Bible study, for outreach, for, for travel, all that stuff. It, the money you give, the money we give, is a direct pipeline to them for God's work. Isn't it a blessing that God would let us be a part of that? It's a great blessing. Now, I know people think, well, there ought to be another way. Maybe they should go to the bank, borrow the money. No, this is God's way. This is God's plan. And by the way, that's true also in local ministry. Same thing about local ministry. It's funded by the gifts of God's people. So how is it received? Look in, we just looked in chapter 9 there in verse 12, but I want to point out something at the end of the verse. 9.12, for the administration of this service not only supplies the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. People are giving thanks to God. And um, you've heard this, whether you um, thought much about it or not, I don't know, but you've heard it through testimonies. We've shared testimonies, video testimonies here in our church from people who are saved in Africa or some other place, thanking this church, thanking other churches, because they know that it's because of our giving that missionaries are there. You know, we were in Africa, as you know, uh, earlier this year for a few weeks and visited many of these missionaries and preaching stations and met a lot of these people and had them say more than once, more than a few times, thank you for helping Scott Kuzel be here, or thank you for helping uh, whoever the missionary might be that's there. They know that. That's what it's saying right there. This abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Look in verse 13. We're talking about how the money is received. Look in verse 13. It says, Whilst by the experiment of this ministration or this ministry, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and to all men. This is ministry being done and the work is going forward. We're following the money. Where did the money come from? Where does the money go? Now here's the third aspect of giving that makes sometimes people feel a little uncomfortable. Just bear with me, though, if it makes you uncomfortable. And that is this. I want to look at what happens in the lives of people who obey God in this matter of giving. Look in verse 8. This is to the givers. Verse 7, every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give. Verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always, we're talking about the giver, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. In other words, God's, Paul says God's grace is going to be abounded toward you because you're giving. God blesses those who support his work. Now, I need to insert this, and I want you to listen as I do. I, I, I feel like every time I talk about this, I need to have a disclaimer this is not talking about prosperity gospel. This is not talking about give to us 
and we'll have a yacht and we'll have, you know, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about God himself promises to bless those who give. Luke 6.38 is still in the Bible. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured unto you again. Mrs. Murray, I remember hearing that at Calvary Hill in 1975-1976 by our pastor, Ralph Gossett, by Bill Stafford, by Manly Beasley, by these men of God that preach the word of God to us. And I learned then, you can't outgive God. God promises to bless giving. I know how people are. They feel, oh, if I turn loose of this, you know, who's going to meet my needs? What about the one who told you to give? Surely he can handle that. God blesses that. These need, he says, look in verse 8. If you, if you don't really c c feel comfortable with that, or just take this, eight, this verse 8 and, and mark it and think about it, meditate upon it, memorize it, hide it in your heart. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, not to the one receiving the gift, but the one that's giving it, that you always have all sufficiency and all things may abound to every good work. Then the needs of the person are being met as God's people by faith give. The needs of the givers are being met by God. And you know what he says in verse 8? Not only will you have all sufficiency in all things, but you'll be able to abound to every good work. This is what this is teaching. If you give because God directs you to, God says, I'm going to meet your needs, but I'm also going to make sure that you get some back so you can give more. That you may have, an, you may have to give to every good work. You'll be able to give more. That's, that's God's plan. Amen. Look in verse 9. As it is written, he hath, talking about the fear, man that fears God, the generous man in Psalm 12, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now, notice this promise. He that ministereth seed to the sower. See, if I was able to give to something, if I was able to give them to missions, that's really a seed that I'm sowing. Because the Bible says, he that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Well, where did I get the seed to sow it? It came from God. I didn't get it on my own. God gave it to me. And it says in verse 10, he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So not only... If you're following the money, not only does, first of all, we don't even have money. I say it starts with generous Christians, but it starts before that because we don't even have any money if God didn't give it to us. God's the one that gives us the ability to have wealth. He's the one that gives us a job. He gives us resource. God does that. So God gives it to us. We give it to others. They use it in the ministry. And then God turns around and blesses our lives so that we can give more. When Paul's writing in Philippians 4 about this, and I'm not going to turn there for time's sake, but he's, say, he's teaching the very same thing, the very same principle, and then he says this, but my God shall supply all your needs 
You give, he says, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Is that what the Bible teaches? That's exactly what it teaches. And this built, this is one of the things that built a close relationship in verses 13 and 14. Talk about this in 2 Corinthians 9 between the church and those that they were supporting and giving to. And um, so in, in addition to that, we talked about this the other night, and I'm not going to uh, push pr pursue that tonight, but in addition to that in Philippians 4, he says, that's fruit to your account. And that may not mean a lot in this life, but it will be when we get to heaven. You, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing when you get to heaven, you'd find out that you, you, actually, you actually directly had a, a part in seeing people saved in South Africa or South America or... You had, a, you had a part in seeing people saved in Canada or, or Central America. You had a part in seeing people get saved in, in um, some of these foreign countries. And you say, well, how can I do that? Because you give to support it. It's fruit to your account. So we have, we're following the money. Now, the last thing I want to notice, and it's probably the most overlooked aspect of this, but it's worth mentioning, and that is how was God recognized with this giving or this generosity. Look what it says in verse 13 of chapter 9. It says this about their giving. While by the experimentation or the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God. They give God, they don't give you praise, they give God praise. For your professed subjection of the gospel of Christ and your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. They Glorified God. God gets glory. God gets glory. This, this is not a stretch. And I'm not trying to manipulate anybody's thinking. But just answer this question in your mind. If, if, you, if you receive a paycheck, your family, you work hard, you have an income, and you do as you should do, you provide for your family, you pay the bills, maybe you have a mortgage and you have insurance to pay and you have taxes and you have electric bill or those kind of things. You, and you also have money that you, know, you just spend on, on just personal desires, you know, clothing and maybe vacations and all those kinds of things but never money given to God or the work of God. Let me ask you, do you think God would be glorified more if you were to take a part of what God gives you and use it to reach people with the gospel? Would God not be more glorified in that? And the answer is obvious. Sure he would. God would be glorified. Look in verse 15 of that same chapter. He says, Paul says, thanks be unto God. God is thanked. God is glorified. Um, I've mentioned several times, referred to that passage in Philippians 4 where Paul's talking about the generosity of the church at Philippi toward his personal ministry. This is how he described, now think about this. I'm not going to turn to it, but think about this. This is how he described their offering that was brought to him by a man by the name, I believe, Epaphroditus. I'm not turning to it, but I think that was his name. This is how Paul described that offering. The things which you sent, which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing 
to God. Doesn't that beautifully describe a faith offering, giving to support a missionary, an evangelist, the Apostle Paul? God is glorified by our good stewardship. God is glorified by our obedience. So if you follow the money, it comes from God, it comes to us, it goes to the cause of missions, it makes its way to the mission fields of the world, it meets the needs that missionaries have, and while that's happening, God is promising to restore what we've given so we can give even more, and all the time God is being glorified and thanked and recognized. That's a much better outcome than us just using our money for things that we want. Use them for things that glorify and honor God. Amen? Amen. Now, it requires a bit of faith to do that. Faith not in, faith not in ourselves. Faith not in the missionary. Faith not in the churches that we send our offerings to. But faith in God. This is God's plan, and I want to follow God's plan. And there are many people in this room that would say, you know, when I understood this, I endeavored by the grace of God to follow this plan, and we've been giving like this our whole life. And, and some maybe could not say, but some could say, we know that God has blessed us because of our obedience to God in this area. Amen? God does that. I know my wife and I have seen many times we thought, you know, this is just the goodness of God. It's God's money, right? It's God's money. We want to be faithful. I, I, I mean, we have seen people, I'm just looking around this room and seeing people, single parents who raise their children without the help of a second person, the breadwinner, and, and yet God, they've faithfully given. God has met their needs. God has blessed their lives. It's just a blessing to see how God works. Now, I don't know how much this happens, but I, but I know this for a fact. If these young people would get a hold of this and start doing it by faith, they would see God work in their lives in a very special way. Amen. And by the way, it's our responsibility as parents to teach our children. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruit of all your increase. Give God the first part. It's our job to teach people to do that. And that's, you know, and some people misunderstand this concept. I understand that they do because they sound like we're trying to raise money. We're not. We're trying to raise stewards. We're trying to raise faithful Christians, right? And that's a part of it. It's not a, a fix-all, but it's an important part of it. And I want to encourage you tonight to think about this, and I'm finished. The God who instructs us to be good stewards of what he gives us gave his only son that we might know him. Imagine this. God intentionally 
providentially, purposefully sent his son to this earth from heaven to suffer and die on a cross that we might be saved. Now, just so you start thinking, well, God wants me to give. Why would God want me to give? Just remember what God gave for you. And by the way, it was because he gave his son, because he gave his son, that many more sons and daughters have been brought into the kingdom and into the family of God. There's no greater giver than God is. Amen? And he gives us richly all things to enjoy. And you may be here tonight, and you can't relate to that because you've never really seen the price that Jesus paid for you and how much God gave that you could know him. But I'm telling you, if you took everything that every one of us gave, all of us, and you took what every Christian that's ever given, even given their lives, you put it all together, I don't think it would equal what God has given to us. And it's, it's a flawed thinking to think that God doesn't deserve our obedience, right? Our generosity. The good news is, because he gave that, you can be saved tonight. Because he gave his life for you, you can be forgiven. You can know him. You can go to heaven one day, but just as importantly, you can have a part of heaven living in you in this life. Amen.